6, verse 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen and still do not believe. All the Father gives me will come to me. Sorry, all the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent him draws him, sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. It's written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the world, the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so that the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You don't want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. 
we believe and know that you're the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve, yet one of you is a devil? He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. You've heard the phrase, you are what you eat. I won't make judgments as I look out upon you. But if you don't uh, believe that, I don't know if you saw not so long ago a film uh, that was produced after a kind of experiment by Morgan Spurlock, American. Do you know which film it is? Supersize Me. McDonald's. He, he decided for 30 days to, to, to eat three meals a day at McDonald's. Young people are going, yay! What a luxury. Old people are going, that's awful. He did it because he wanted to discover what living on a diet of fast food would do to him. And the film charts his journey. His weight increased by 10% in 12 days. He started to suffer from depression, lethargy, mood swings, and severe headaches. If you went to McDonald's this week, don't feel guilty. But we are what we eat. I know that sometimes when I travel to India and I eat something not quite right, it affects me. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. It's the fourth miraculous sign in John's Gospel. And it very simply teaches us that that which we take in, not just physical food, but that which we consume spiritually makes us. We are what we eat, both in terms of McDonald's or five a day, but also that to which we turn, that to which we are filled by, that to which we allow to nourish us. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He says it in Matthew chapter 4 in his temptations in the wilderness. He says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word of the Lord. That so often we, like these people in the feeding of the the, the 5,000 earlier on in the story, kind of so settle for the quick food, the good food, but fail to focus on the great, fail to ingest the great food. Jesus in the wilderness has fed with bread and fish the 5,000 plus women and children, and they are satisfied. It's a wonderful moment, and they kind of come back saying, when's our next feast, Jesus? And he says, points them, there's more for you. Not just to eat like your forefathers, the provision of God, the manna, but to consume true food. They don't understand. Who is that, Jesus? I am, says the Lord. Don't fill your souls or your lives with good works. Jesus is the one who performs all the good works, the one who completes God's way to achieve our salvation. He earns salvation and gifts that to us. The challenge 
in what Jesus reminds them of, in all those parallels, in all those echoes back to the Old Testament, that the Israelites ate manna in the morning. They ate the bread that God had provided out of his grace for them and saw no conflict by the end of the day, worshipping an idol, the golden calf. So I want to give you a little reminder from this passage in the story of John 6 of ABCD. Can you remember that? ABCD. First the A, the action. In John 6, in the, the story again and again, repeated, expounded, emphasized, reinforced, again, always the action, the initiative of God. In the Exodus, it wasn't that the people managed to escape in the dead of night by kind of subtle, kind of you know, creeping out when the others were asleep in kind of some clandestine affair. No, God set his face against Pharaoh and rescued his people. The initiative is God's. On the mountainside with 5,000 plus people, they were all hungry. The disciples were powerless. Jesus took a measly packed lunch, gave thanks to God, broke it, and there was enough for everyone. God multiplied. Again and again in the gospel story, the initiative, the action is God's. In the journey uh, to Jerusalem, in the journey to the cross, that we see the action of God. In the meal that we shall break, it's all about Him. His rescue plan, His work, His action of grace towards us. The A, the beginning, God's action. Always this way around. He is good. He takes the initiative. He is for us. He is the first one to begin it. We don't come along and start the ball rolling. God has set the ball rolling a long time ago. The A of the story, the action is God's. In John 6, the people are fed. If you're a believer, the fact that he has made the way for you or maybe that opportunity for new life this morning, his initiative already at work in you. In the beginning, A, God's action. Secondly comes in this story, the B of belief. The people have been fed, and they start to say, what does this mean? And they, they look for more and ask for more. And Jesus says to them categorically, I am the bread of life. If you come to me, you will not be hungry. I have the words of eternal life. If you believe in me, you will never grow hungry. So full of truth. I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. That God is always at work. I spoke last week of some of the miraculous signs that we've seen over the summer. Wonderful things. Even in purse, the church secretary. Not even in purse. In purse, the church secretary of Bidford. His hearing restored. Of a young guy at Soul Survivor, his back restored. Even in the preaching of the word, pennies beginning to drop. That's God's action. Calling us to this place of belief. God is signing God is showing, God is pointing the way through his work such that we have these moments say, will you choose, will you believe, will you respond? Choice is yours. 
Will you believe? Will you trust? Action is God's. And God's initiative, he always opens our mind. In this parable of the sower, he, the, good, the, the farmer sows seed, lots of it, abundantly, and it falls. Some, the parable goes, falls on the path, and the birds take it away. Some in rocky soil, some in shallow soil, some in good soil. Part of this parable teaches that we get to choose which we are. Most people want to be good soil. We want to bear fruit, don't we, that lasts. We choose to receive the word, to allow it to grow in us. We choose, we believe in response to what God has done. In broken bread and cup here, a clear, no clearer sign can we give. Or in tonight in the baptismal service of someone giving their life to Jesus, saying, He has won my life, I'm baptized, which speaks of his death and burial and resurrection, have been washed clean. It's all about God's action in Jesus. And the choice, believe. What will you do with this revelation? What will you do with this insight? What will we do, brothers and sisters, not just in that moment of salvation where we, we lay our lives and repent and believe and begin to follow Jesus, but in this ongoing daily choice, will we choose him? First, with belief. And second, the third thing of C is that of consequence. That belief brings consequence. I spoke of the Israelites eating manna in the morning and then worshipping idols in the evening. That their belief in the God who'd rescued them, the God who had acted and saved them, led to the wrong consequence. They chose wrongly. The sea for all of us is in our belief, in our, yes, he is Lord, in our worship. Oh, come, let us adore him. Wonderful singing. It was so good to hear you singing. It's well with my soul. Beautiful harmonies at the front I was hearing. Lovely, blessed time. But the sea, the consequence for us is now what do we do with that? We've affirmed our faith. We'll affirm it again in eating bread and, uh, and drinking the cup of saying, yes, Lord, on a Sunday morning. The consequence is now what do we do? How does that shape you? In what ways is that going to mark you out for Jesus in the coming days? You see, right at the end of John 6, the disciples kind of came to Jesus and said, this is a really hard teaching. How can they accept it? And aware that his disciples were grumbling and saying, you've opened our eyes. What are we to do? And Jesus said, does this offend you? For some it did. For some they couldn't take it on board and they left. And the disciples who'd seen and understood because they'd said, who else but God can do this? Where else should we go? I have nowhere else to put my faith in because my revelation is that Jesus is amongst us. And they say, we can't go anywhere but stay with you. Hallelujah for faith that is lived out obediently. That our profession of faith, our statement of belief based on the action of God towards us has to be the consequence of choice, the consequence of belief, of living, following his ways. Dietrich Bernhofer in the Second World War said it like this, only he who believes is obedient. 
Only she who believes is obedient. And only he or she who is obedient believes. Belief first responds in following in decisions of consequences. And those consequences lead us to greater faith because we step out on the promises of God. When people complain that they find it hard to believe, he writes, it's a sign of deliberate or unconscious disobedience. That's quite challenging. When people complain that they find it hard to believe, it's a sign of deliberate or unconscious disobedience. He says, only the devil has an answer for our moral difficulties. And he says, keep on posing problems of faith and you will escape the necessity of obedience. What's he going on about? He's saying that in choosing to believe, in believing in Jesus, in trusting him as the bread of life, of feeding on him, the consequences that we keep on choosing, we keep on living for him. We're his disciples, his followers, those marked out as ones characterized by Jesus. He says later on in, in the gospel, he who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son shall not see life. John 15, if you love me, you will obey what I command. He calls his friends. And when our vision is filled, here is Jesus, the Savior, the rescuer, giving us life. And we're called into that to choose that. It's a brilliant life to live. But he says now, Keep feeding on me. Keep filling yourself with good things. Life that will sustain. Life that will satisfy your hunger. I dare to suggest if you're feeling, well, this Christianity stuff isn't satisfying me, are you living this Christianity stuff? Are you following the ways of Jesus? Our culture is pulling us in all sorts of ways, saying, don't believe the word of God. Live in other ways. It doesn't matter. Compromise here. Choose a different way. And the consequences are growing dissatisfaction in our soul because we're not feeding on bread. John Piper writes, if you don't feel strong, if you don't feel strong desire for the manifestation of the glory of God, it's not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied, it's because you've nibbled for so long at the table of the world. Your soul is stuffed with small things and there's no room for the great. God did not create you for this. There is an appetite for God and it can be awakened. I invite you to turn from the dulling effects of foods and dangers of idolatry come back to the bread of life. The gospel will offend, but it's true. We see that all around us, the choice of Jesus saying he is exclusively the way of salvation. It offends. It is true. The claim of Jesus upon our life, the consequence of a belief, will offend our families, and it will offend your own desire to get what you, owe, you want yourself. To live your own way and make some choice to say, well, I'm sure God won't mind. He forgives me. He does forgive us, but he does mind. There is a consequence to choice and belief, and that's living for Jesus. In our society, is our heart surrendered? When you read the scriptures and feed on him daily and pray, do you sort of allow the scriptures to search your soul as the Holy Spirit gives life, or do you 
turn away from that and say, it's too hard for me. I'll just settle for something less. The gospel offends. The gospel offends our culture in terms of sex and sexuality. The gospel offends in terms of our culture and materialism. What we do with our money. What brands we choose. How generous we are. How much time we make for our husband or wife or children. The gospel offends. What will we do with our destiny? Will we say it's the Lord's and follow him to wherever he leads of giving sacrificially of ourselves and all that we have been given? Maybe overseas, maybe as missionaries to Syria, I wonder how many are signing up. The gospel offends. But there is a consequence to belief. And Jesus asked the disciples, will you decide the day? Will you decide for Jesus? Will you decide in reaffirming your faith of being nourished, of set free, of your soul being restored? Is it well in this meal of grace? The action of God is for us. And I invite you, if you love Jesus, you're so welcome. If you failed and let him down again, you're welcome. He will meet with you and restore you because that's his way. He is good. But in the reception and the receiving of grace, affirm your faith in him, choose him again, and decide. Even if you've done this lots of time and given up, decide again for him. Don't let your heart become hard. Don't let you think, well, I'll just perpetuate in this lifestyle, in this habit, in this behavior, in this compromise. Decide again for Jesus. Because following him costs us. Many disciples deserted Jesus on this day. Many disciples who'd probably had their fill and thought, this is great. Free food, great party, the miracles of God. He said, it costs. It costs in standing out from the crowd. It costs in choosing for Jesus in your marriage when your non-believing partner won't follow you. It costs in, in raising your children. It costs in the workplace. Decide for him. Calvin got it right. He said, while, while it's faith alone that justifies, that f- the faith that justifies is never alone. He said this, while it is faith alone that justifies, the faith that justifies is never alone. In James, faith without works is dead faith. I don't mean by that just making meals and uh, working them. I don't disparage that, but it's, it's that decision, that decide, that this is, this is, when people look at me, I'm a light to the world, I'm a testament, I'm a shining star for Jesus. You're welcome at this table. You're welcome to participate. And meet with Jesus who said, I am the bread of life. Those who th- hunger and thirst will be satisfied. The answer in the prayer, give us this day our daily bread. The Lord said, yes, I will. I will feed you. And says, come and follow. Because he has the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God.
I came across this really simple little um, question. What's the purpose of a mug? Oh, yes, to put our drinks in. What's the purpose of TV? Oh, yes, to watch sport and our favorite programs. What's the purpose of a newspaper? To catch up on news and views, current affairs. What's the purpose of a person? What's the purpose of a car? Oh, yeah, take us places we want to go. Purpose of a fridge? Keep things fresh and cool. Purpose of a house? Yes, to live in and keep us warm and dry. What's the purpose of a person? Why are we here? Everything else seems to be here for a reason. Do we have a purpose and a reason for being? Are the things we make more important than us? What's the purpose of your life? There must be a reason why we're here. Everything else has one. What's the purpose of a person? Well, yes, says Jesus in John, to be a friend of God. This meal is about being welcomed back into relationship. This meal is about meeting again with our creator and the sustainer, the restorer of our soul. This meal is about God's action. This meal is saying, if you believe, come and share in it. This meal is about saying, yes, I choose you, Jesus. I choose you, Jesus. And I understand the consequence of saying, you're Lord of my life. And this meal is about saying, I decide for you, Jesus, again. That you're Lord of my decisions, Lord of my behavior, Lord of my body, Lord of my family. You're Lord of my life. I decide it again. You don't have to eat this meal. If you can't make those choices, let the bread and wine pass by. But I urge you, choose him, the author of life, and the one who is engaged with you to perfect your very life in glory. Amen. Listen, I'm standing at the door knocking. It's God's action. If you hear my voice and open the door, the belief, I will come in to you and eat with you and you with me. Hallelujah. The Lord is here. God proves his love for us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He says, come to me, all who are weary and carrying heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to this table not because you must, but because you may. Come not because you're strong, but because you're weak. Come not because any goodness of your own gives you a right to come, but because you need mercy and help. Come because you love the Lord a little and would love to like to love him more. Come because he loved you and gave himself for you. Come and meet the risen Christ. We are his body. Pray for us, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you'd forgive us 
Forgive us again. Thank you that Jesus does. He bore our sins completely. He died once for all. The same John that wrote the gospel said later in one of his letters, we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Even if this is the umpteenth time you've said, please help me again, his grace abounds. His mercy is new this morning. Come and find nourishment. Come and find life. Come and satisfy us as we eat this bread, drink this cup. We turn to you, Jesus. That on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and broke it and said, this is my body, it's broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me.